You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody, happy Sunday to you, end of week 16 in fantasy baseball. I guess it depends what sites you play on, some might be calling it week 15, but you know what I mean. So uh, thanks for joining me here on FanRack Fantasy Baseball, I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I've got a big show planned for you today, uh, big in all kinds of ways. First of all, it's the two-hour Sunday extravaganza, which we've been doing for a few weeks here. So big in terms of mass quantities of time talking about fantasy baseball and not just one, but two special guests today. In this hour, I'm going to be joined by John Heyman. Uh, I've been letting you know, tipping you off to that uh, appearance over the last few shows. Very excited about that, especially with the trade deadline coming up in just over a week. Can't wait to hear what John has to say about uh who's going where, and, and what uh, the fallout might be of uh, the, the moves that are to come. So that's coming up this hour. And then the next hour, got Jim Finch, also from FanRag Sports, on the show to talk about this week's two-star pitchers. It's a really interesting group this week. Uh, you definitely do not want to miss that discussion. So stick around for the whole thing. Uh, got a lot coming up, plus uh, you know a lot of the usual stuff that I do on here, breaking down the news, uh, looking at the recent performances on the field, uh, picking out some of the interesting players that may not make a whole lot of sense and try to make sense of them. All that stuff coming up today. So let me get right to it uh, with uh, the news that Dallas Keuchel made what is probably going to be his last rehab start coming back from that uh, nagging neck I- issue. Uh, he pitched, this is kind of a weird one, pitched in the rookie league uh, with Tri-City. I think that's Appalachian League. I'm not 100% sure. But it's, I know it's the rookie league level. So, uh uh, not uh, the same level of competition, obviously, but uh, so Dallas Keuchel could very well be back this coming weekend. The Astros are going to be playing in Detroit. So I did a little Twitter poll to see who people thought might make way for Keuchel. And they could go six man, just like the Indians are doing right now for Danny Salazar. But uh, poll has closed. And sadly for me, Brad Peacock won by a good margin, 11 percentage points over Charlie Morton. Uh, that's the last person I want to see leave the Astros rotation, but I fear that the poll respondents could be right about that one. Uh, but we, we shall see how that uh, plays out. Hopefully, I'm hopefully at least for the short term, maybe nobody leaves the rotation. Uh, so we've got Dallas Keuchel coming back. And uh, last night, scary, scary moment with Colin Moran following a ball off, his, off of his face and not being able to leave the field on his own, was taken to the hospital and uh, actually just got an update on that situation. Moran's been placed on the 10-day DL with a facial fractured, uh, facial fracture, excuse me. So uh, that does not sound very good for Kyle Moran. Uh, Astros, by the way, have uh, called up Tyler White to take his place. Lots more to come, folks, so don't go anywhere. I will be right back.
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, the host for this hour. As I mentioned in the very first segment of the show, got a couple of guests coming up. One very soon, uh, John Heyman of FanRag Sports is going to be with me, not for this segment, but the next one. So uh, you got that to look forward to. And in the second hour of the show, I'm going to have Jim Finch on talk about next week's two start pitching options. Uh, but uh, lots of news still to uh, to get to. So uh, let me uh, get right on with that. And actually, let me pick up uh, sort of where I left off uh, with some Astros news. Talked about Dallas Keuchel probably coming back to the Astros rotation this week. Uh, also talked about the uh, unfortunate Colin Moran uh, injury, facial fractures, uh, the diagnosis there. Um, and I also mentioned very, very quickly right before the break, Tyler White's going to be up. Um, so uh, he's not in the Astros lineup today, uh, but uh, White having a nice season uh, at AAA so far. We saw him quite a bit last season. But um, Marwin Gonzalez is in today at shortstop, so you got Alex Bregman moving back over to third base, uh, which is where Moran was playing yesterday, where White conceivably could play some time in the future. But that's uh, the... Uh, alignment on the left side of the Astros infield for uh, their game with the Orioles, which starts in just under half an hour in Baltimore. That's uh, Lance McCullers and Dylan Bundy. And um, also very, very notable, if you're still uh, getting your lineup together for today, no George Springer in the starting lineup for the Astros. Just a routine day off. Good news there, but bad news if you wanted to have uh, Springer in your lineup for the last day of the week. Uh, you got the outfield of uh, Nori Aoki in left, Jake Marisnik in center, and Josh Reddick in right field. And you got Evan Gaddis filling the DH spot. So we've covered almost the whole uh, Astros lineup there. But, uh, yeah, it's always a, always uh, in flux there. So good to keep on top of that. Um, and as I mentioned, Lance McCuller. Actually, it's plural. More than one McCuller. Lance McCuller is on the mound for the Astros today. Wrote about him in this weekend's. Uh, Sunday streamers piece not been going well for him at all. So this is going to be a key, key start for Lance McCullers uh, since this is going to be in progress for most of the show. I'll uh, check in with you on, on this one from time to time, or at least I'll plan to. Uh, but uh, his control has really regressed uh, over the last uh, six starts or so. And prior to that, that had been a really nice surprise for McCullers this season. Really made a huge difference in his fantasy value. Was able to go deeper into games much more consistently, plus just helps the ERA and whip when you're not giving out all those free passes. Uh, but it's really been sort of a reversion back to uh, the, the earlier version of Lance McCullers, who would give you strikeouts but not last very long into, uh, into his outings. So uh, we'll see how this one goes. The Orioles, as I've noted before on this show, one of the least patiently selective lineups. So if McCullers does continue to struggle with control, he could very easily get by with it 
in this one against the Orioles. So really eager to see how that one turns out. Also mentioned in that Sunday streamers piece uh, that we get the Padres and Giants with uh, their series continuing today. What a weird matchup that you got to Nelson Lamette, who strikes out everybody, regardless of what happens in his starts. That's the one thing you can always count on, the strikeouts for him. And he's facing uh, the Giants, who are one of the worst teams overall offensively, but one of the best teams in terms of avoiding strikeouts. And then you got Ty Block going for the Giants, who has the lowest strikeout rate in the majors among qualified pitchers going up against the team that's uh, got the highest strikeout rate in the majors, the Padres. Very, very weird and interesting matchup there. Uh, That one doesn't start until 4 Eastern, so won't be checking in on that one during the show. But if you want to know more uh, about that matchup, uh, check out the the column I wrote for, uh, for FanRag. Back to the news. Starlin Castro back on the disabled list after a very short time off of it. He has aggravated his hamstring injury. Tyler Wade recalled uh, by the Yankees. So uh, that's uh, not a good development there for Castro or for the Yankees. Hopefully a minimum stay. Uh, But I've not seen any sort of uh, analysis of that. So we'll just have to stay tuned there. Also, Gregory Polanco. On the DL, uh, also with a hamstring injury, he's got a left hamstring strain. He had been starting to heat up a bit recently, uh, but you'll have to look for an alternative to Polanco going into uh, what I like to call Fantasy Week 17. Uh, Miguel Cabrera sat yesterday, again with the bruised collarbone, but that injury appears that it's not nearly as serious as it looked like uh, it might have been. So that's a good, uh, good development there. Uh, trying to see if I can take a quick look at the Tigers lineup. Uh, there we go. And I apologize for that. Uh, and there is Miguel Cabrera in the cleanup spot at first base against the Twins and Adalberto Mejia. Uh, and that could be a nice matchup for a lot of the Tigers who hit lefties very, very well. Though Mejia has gone pretty well lately. Uh, very intrigued by him. Just not in this particular start. So Miguel Cabrera backed back. Uh, Gerard Dyson crashed into a wall in yesterday's game for the Mariners. uh, Sustained a hyperextended left foot, and he is day-to-day. Byron Buxton is not going on a rehab assignment. He's uh, coming back from his groin injury. He may be back with the Twins as soon as Tuesday, according to Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. But according to Brandon Warren of Zone Coverage, and I've had Brandon on the show, had him on, I think, early in the season, uh, great follow for Twins Info, and he just recently tweeted, uh, or rather not tweeted out, did tweet it out, but also posted uh, a piece uh, with a whole bunch of Twins updates. And according to Paul Molitor in this uh, Brandon Warren piece on zone coverage, it sounds like Buxton's not necessarily going to be a regular when he comes back. So uh, Molitor, very, very happy with the play of Zach Granite. So uh, do not take his demotion for granted. Anyway, uh, the Cubs have expressed some interest in trading for Jonathan Lucroy, according to the Dallas Morning News. And the Dodgers have already made a trade, trading Sergio Romo to the Tampa Bay Rays for cash considerations. So a um, little bit of uh, trade action there, one that probably won't have much uh much fancy relevance, but if uh, Romo can certainly regain uh, his form from his better years with the Giants, maybe at the very least he becomes relevant in some holds leagues. So uh, not completely 
fantasy irrelevant there. Uh, let's get on to uh, some of the performances from uh, from Saturday's games. Uh, start as I typically do with the hitters who left the yard not once but multiple times. There were two of them. Mike Mustakis hit his 27th and 28th home runs of the season against the White Sox. Uh, so he is also now batting 277. And this was something I wanted to check in on with Mustakis because it's been very obvious that uh, pretty much from the get-go that uh, he's having a really great power-hitting season. But over the years, when I've talked about Mike Mustakis, when I've written about Mike Mustakis, uh, when you all have been reading about Mike Mustakis in various places, uh, the story's always been his extreme pull tendencies. And then going back to 2015, he made a really conscious decision to change that, that he wanted to be more of sort of an all-around, all-fields type of hitter. And for the better part of the last uh, couple of years, well, granted, uh, you know, last year, missing a lot of time uh, injury-wise, but uh, for the for the better part of those two seasons, kind of changing his ways. Uh, this year, we've seen a return to Mike Moustakis classic with a 47% pull rate and a 48% fly ball rate, both pretty extreme marks, uh, although certainly Moustakis has pulled more in his career. He's, he's been that extreme. But uh, the interesting thing is there's not really been a trade-off. He's hitting 277, and he's got 28 home runs, hitting with more power than ever uh, and one of his better batting averages. But... Um, you know, I think it's just once you hit a certain point and you're leaving the yard enough times, your Babbitt matters a whole lot less. So Moustakis hitting with so much power, really getting the best of both worlds. So that's uh, certainly a, a good and encouraging thing to see for him uh, looking at his value rest of season. And the other player to show up on the home run leaderboard twice, not leaderboard, but the home run board twice, JT Real Muto hit his ninth and 10th home runs at Great American Ballpark in Cincy, uh, three for four in that game. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because Real Muto has been hitting with more power this year, but you know, certainly not to the degree that you see from a lot of catchers in the pool, whether it's uh, Evan Gaddis or Brian McCann um, or, you know, Yasmani Grandal, uh, you know, hitters of that ilk. But, uh, you know, he gives you enough in terms of infield hits, stolen bases, batting average, using the speed part of his skill set to be uh, probably the most complete hitting catcher in fantasy. So uh, tacking on with a couple of home runs there, just kind of highlighting the fact that Real Muto has been hitting with more power this year. So um, that is going to have to be put on hold now. The uh, discussion of the standout hitters. So we're going to go to break and come back with John Heyman. So uh, don't go anywhere. Looking forward to it. I'll be right back. Quarterback to receiver hookups. Running back depth analysis. Rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at RotoExperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and it is time. Time to welcome John Heyman of FanRag Sports to the show. Uh, looking forward to getting uh, all sorts of information uh, regarding where uh, players are going, when and where they're going to wind up. John, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Al. All right. Well, I know we got a lot to get to, so I'm just going to get right to it. Uh, you just recently wrote a piece about the Yankees checking in on Giancarlo Stanton. So I've got a couple of questions regarding that. And one is, what, where does the interest stem from? Seems like their outfield's pretty well set. And uh, from the Marlins' perspective, uh, how willing do you think they are to, to deal Stanton? Well, I think the Yankees are interested in anybody they think is great, and obviously Stanton <laughs> is great, and he's hot right now. And, um, you know, I, it doesn't seem like a positional need. They certainly need pitching more, but we know they've been tied to uh, Bryce Harper forever. Uh, of course, they've got Judge now. Frazier looks pretty good, too. So it doesn't look like the perfect fit, but uh, it never hurts to ask. And my understanding is right now they've been told, uh, specifically by the Marlins, that uh, right now uh, they've got to concentrate on the sale of the team uh, before they can think about Stanton. Of course, it wouldn't be them thinking about Stanton once the team is sold. It would be the new owner anyway. So uh, this ownership group apparently will not be the ones to uh, trade Stanton. If he is traded, they are willing to talk about lesser pieces, good players, but nobody of the uh, category of Stanton, you know, more like uh, A.J. Ramos and guys like that. They, They don't want to trade. Uh, even the cost-efficient stars like uh, Real Muto and uh, Yelich and Ozuna and Bohr, and they've got to hold on to them as well. So I think the Marlins sale is going to be mostly uh, relievers and uh, uh, starters that are in kind of mid-range type guys if they can trade those guys. All right. Well, uh, yeah, and the, the relief market is, uh, you know, there's, there's no shortage there, and I definitely want to get to that, and Ramos uh, certainly a, a big part of it. But uh, not that much quality starting pitching, it would seem, available for trade. Um, but Jaime Garcia, I guess, still on the market. I mean, what, what happened there? It seemed like it was just about a done deal, but he's, he's yeah. still a brave. Well, things can blow up at the very last minute. Uh, it did appear that they did have an agreement. Um, you know, what, uh, They don't want to say, often in these cases, I did see a report by Ken Rosenthal saying there was a medical situation with one of the other players. Uh, we're not sure exactly what happened. Um, we're hearing that Minnesota still could uh, be the team, but you know, obviously it blew up with them, so I wouldn't call that very likely at this point. Uh, the Yankees are one of the teams in a Jaime Garcia. My understanding is there are about a half dozen teams uh, talking about Garcia, and he certainly didn't hurt himself with a very good performance against the Dodgers, plus a grand slam as well um, in L.A. Yeah, uh, definitely boosts his value for the uh, NL suitors out there with that uh, big time power. Um, you know, I've got a question, John. It's a little bit of a tangent to this, but it's just you know I had sort of a reaction as I think probably other people did seeing this unfold with Jaime Garcia. How does is there a pattern in terms of how these things happen with trade negotiations? Because it just seems odd to get that far along um and then to have things blow up like that. Is it just a sort of random uh, when this happens? In different <laughs> well, situations when- or- at the end there, when there's an agreement of players, uh, teams look over the medicals or, um, uh, you know, get doctor consultants in on things, and uh, things do sometimes blow up at the last minute. It doesn't often happen, but uh, not every agreement uh, goes through. Um, there's probably uh, 5% or less that, uh, that blow up at the end. Yeah, well, that's something at least uh, we fantasy owners don't have to – 
worry about in most cases. Uh, no, uh, you know, no, we have to yeah, check the yeah. medicals. Uh, maybe we'd be better off if we did. But um, let, let's <laughs> no, get. No, you don't get that opportunity. <laughs> No, no. Uh, let, let's uh, head over to the closer market there. Uh, you already talked about A.J. Ramos, but there's a lot of good quality established closers uh, who are still on the market. Uh, Zach Britton been linked to a couple of teams, Addison Reed, Rysel Glacius, Justin Wilson. Uh, where are these at this moment, uh, these relievers likely to head? Well, uh, there are a lot of teams looking uh, for relievers, so this is a, a much more uh, mixed market, not clearly the seller's market that the starting pitching market is uh, right now. Looking for a closer or a big-time uh, reliever would include um, Arizona, uh, potentially uh, the Cubs, uh, Tampa Bay, um, potentially the Dodgers. Obviously, they have a closer, but they're looking for a very, very good lefty. Uh, Colorado looking to beef up the back end. Uh, obviously, they've got Holland as their closer as well. So it's interesting that two closers had the best years. They're, they're still looking for relief. But obviously, Holland and uh, Jansen will retain their jobs. No no worry there. But uh, it's kind of a fair market where you've got a, a five or six good uh, back end guys or closers available. Um, and then you've got uh, about a half dozen teams also looking. I would say the Yankees at this point are pretty well satisfied after getting keenly along with uh, David Robertson uh, that they should be okay. But uh, the Red Sox still uh, would be looking for a back-end guy. Uh, they, too, have a, a great closer, uh, probably the best one in the American League in Kimbrell, but uh, they could use some uh, set-up help, uh, particularly with Joe Kelly's uh, new issues. Yeah, well, and uh, I want to zero in on Britain for a second because he's been linked uh, to, to the Dodgers, which I think you just intimated, but also to the Cubs. I don't recall whose report that was, but um, Wade Davis, he's been sort of inconsistent lately. Um, if I could ask you to speculate, uh, do you think Wade Davis's job could be in danger if they uh, brought in somebody of Zach Britton's uh, caliber? Yeah, I, I'm not so sure that that would uh, occur, obviously. Uh... Davis was in the All-Star game. He has had a pretty good year. I mean, you get you guys may look at it a little differently than I do. Uh, he hasn't been perfect like uh, or near perfect like Jansen or Kimbrell or, or Holland. Uh, he did lose the All-Star game. Uh, but he's been pretty good. Uh, normally a uh, pitcher who's been good like that doesn't lose his job. Uh, Britain has not quite pitched to the level that he did last year, and he's had some injury uh, issues throughout the year. He is now back and throwing, but uh, not quite as well as he did last year. Um, so uh, I'm not so sure that he would displace uh, Davis even if they were to get him, and I, I don't know that they're the favorite anyway. Um, certainly a lot of teams would be interested in Britain, and there's a big if on Baltimore, too. There was only one year that really Angelos allowed his team to sell, and that was 2000 uh, when he traded Will Clark and about a half a dozen others. So that was a real big sale uh, but they've been not great a lot of times, and uh, they've rarely, rarely, if ever, sold. Basically, the ever being 2,000, that's it. Yeah, well, that gives us you know something to think about, too, with that Britain situation. You know, maybe he doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. That would uh, – something right, we, we have approval. The owner does yeah. run its own team, <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> and we will see. So uh, I think the baseball people, while they've spoken publicly about uh, staying in the race, uh, they're – uh, skeptical of whether they're a true contender this year and uh, probably waiting for the approval from uh, Angelos to see whether to go ahead and do the sale and uh, no guarantees that he will give that approval. 
Okay, okay. Uh, well, another uh, reliever that you mentioned uh, in one of your columns recently, Felipe Rivero. I hadn't really read or seen uh, a whole lot about him. It would make sense from the Pirates' perspective. Uh, what are the chances you think that Rivero gets uh, seriously shopped around? Well, I think the Pirates are a team that's willing to consider almost anything. I, I do think that uh, they will keep uh, Garrett Cole and, and McCutcheon, certainly the way they are playing lately. And, of course, I wrote that a few days ago, and they won their next two or three games after that. They did lose one more, but um, they look like more of a contender now, particularly with Milwaukee struggling. They've kind of pulled a lot closer. Uh, they may be less likely to uh, take a gamble in uh, trade Rivero than when I actually wrote that. Uh, but I do think the Pirates are a team that considers just about anything. So that would be just about anything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rangers, I guess, would be in the same bucket in terms of uh, being noncommittal on buying or selling. Uh, but what uh, what would you say the chances are at this point that they uh, trade you Darvish? Probably 50-50. I, I think uh, they're waiting to see whether they're a contender or not. Uh, there have been some more positive signs lately. They have won two in a row. I know the players are begging to uh, buy, not sell, but uh, Darvish is a rental. I, I don't know what the chances are to retain him. Uh, he is asked, uh, understandably, for a rather high price, so um, I, I'm not as confident that they'll keep him long-term or re-sign him as some others have been. Uh, and so I would think that if they do determine that, that they're a seller, uh, he's a gunner and, uh, and perhaps Lucroy and some others as well, um, they do seem determined to hold on to Cole Hamels. Uh, he's not a rental. So uh, I would say uh, 98% they keep Hamels. Uh, Darvish is more of the 50-50 uh, ilk. Okay, okay. Uh, well, Sonny Gray seems like the consensus is that he, he too is a goner. Um, is there a clear front runner at this point? For him, well, I've I've liked Milwaukee from the start. Uh, his Vanderbilt pitching coach, uh, Derek Johnson, is the pitching coach for the Brewers, and I know they have a very close relationship, uh, extremely close. And I know the Brewers are, cl- are clearly involved. I, I've seen the Braves written as one uh, that's a contender, and I know the Yankees are interested as well. All three of those teams have uh, very good farm systems, among the best in baseball. And I I would be surprised if the winner does not come. From that group, I know they've had many checking on Gray as he's not a rental. He's got two more years to go. So uh, there's interest from all over, including Texas. But many, many teams have looked at uh, at Gray. But uh, I'd say the Yankees and the Brewers uh, uh, probably the most likely, uh, and then the Braves. But I, I would put Milwaukee as my favorite. They, they've been kind of my favorite for a few days now. Okay, okay, interesting. And uh, finally, John, uh, come August 1st, who would you expect would be playing third base for the Red Sox? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, we <laughs> thought early on that Mike Moustakis uh, would be a candidate. Now, Kansas City uh, looks like a buyer, if a limited buyer, but not a seller for sure. Uh, Todd Frazier looked like a logical guy for them. They apparently weren't enamored or certainly not as much as the Yankees were. Uh, you've got now um, Nunez uh, from the Giants, who will presumably be dealt uh, not because of uh, Sandoval, but he's a free agent after the year, so I, that seems uh, likely to happen. Uh, Prado hurt now. That was another guy who was a candidate, so that would not be. I think they've scattered all three Mets guys. Um, you know, I, I personally think Wilmer Flores is really good, not just because he had a walk-off uh, recently, but he's a very, very good player. Uh, some don't love him as a defender, but uh, I think he would be a candidate as well. Um, you know, I've seen Ian Kinsler. I, I don't 
see that as particularly likely. I think they'll go for more of a traditional uh, third baseman and figure it out. I guess if I had to guess today, uh, I might go with uh, Nunez, uh, the former Yankee, uh, over to Boston. Ah, very interesting if that if that would happen. Well, John, I uh, really appreciate you spending the time uh, today uh, giving us a rundown on all these situations. Uh, look for John's work, of course, at FanRag Sports so, and on Twitter at John Heyman. So, John, uh, thank you again so much. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Al. All right. My, my pleasure. Well, uh, stick around, folks. Uh, be right back with uh, a lot more. Be right back. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And once again, cannot thank John Heyman enough for stopping by and filling us in on what's happening in the uh, trade market with the deadline coming up just over a week away. I uh, wish I'd had a chance to mention this with John on the air. But um, not only should you check out his work at FanRag just more generally, but um, his, one of his recent uh, Inside Baseball pieces, he has a great take on Everybody Loves Raymond that you, uh, that you uh, should definitely check out. So uh, uh, great information and a great sense of humor to boot. So uh, great, always great to have uh, John Heyman on. So lots more to get to, but uh, should first let you know that you can now take the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network with you wherever you go. Download the fantasy sports radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So uh, I had started uh, to talk a little bit about some of the uh, standout performances. I, I mentioned the two players who hit two home runs, that being Mike Moustakis and JT Arumuto, and they, those names both popped up uh, in my discussion with uh, with John Heyman. Neither one likely going anywhere, uh, which is uh, yeah, that's been the the word for a while now. But good to good to get that confirmed. Um, Adobo Herrera also had a very big game going 4 for 4 against the Brewers, hit his ninth home run of the season, and a couple of doubles. He's now up to 31 doubles. So uh, he is quietly getting back uh, back on track after a little bit of a, a slow first half to the season. Uh, he was not the only one to have a four-hit game on Saturday. Melky Cabrera also went 4 for 4 at Kansas City. Uh, he also homered his 13th of the year, and he also hit his 16th double of the year. And Cabrera's an interesting guy. I brought him up on the show a couple of times recently, last couple of weeks. But I want to dig in just a little further. Um, and also, uh, Cabrera Relva, because uh, he is one of the players who the White Sox could uh, could move before the deadline. But um, he is currently 40th 
in rotisserie value among outfielders, according to the ESPN player rater. And when I have talked about Cabrera in some recent shows, it's just been in this context. Now, here's somebody that is pretty much must start in a 12-team mixed league, even a three-outfielder league when you kind of, you know, add up the numbers, uh, you know, if it's a three-outfielder league, 12 teams, you got 36 players starting the outfield, but it's, you know, good enough position that a few of those players uh, probably would find your way into your utility slot. So maybe it's a little bit of a stretch to say must start in a three-outfielder league, but certainly very viable, and I'd say close to must start. And then in a five-outfielder league, he is absolutely must start. I mean, he's he's a, a fourth outfielder easily, maybe even uh, on the fringes of being a third outfielder. Uh, and yet, when you look at what Cabrera's done, I mean, we know what to expect from Melky Cabrera. What he is doing so far this year is very much in line exactly with what he did last year. The slash lines are, are very, very close to each other. Um, he's a guy who hits for a lot of contact. And I think maybe the best way to sum up sort of the intersection between Cabrera's Skill set and fantasy value is that more than than any other player I can think of uh, top of mind. I'm sure I could probably, if I thought hard enough, think of somebody. But top of mind, I'm not sure I can think of anybody who makes a, a good contact skill go farther than Melky Cabrera because he's an okay power hitter, but not uh, you know certainly not a standout in, in this season of big big home run numbers. Cabrera's 13 home runs really you know, don't stand out. I mean, he might have himself a 20 home run season, although if he gets traded uh, away from uh, U.S. cellular field, or I'm sorry, I mean, guaranteed rate field, uh, that uh, you know maybe he has less of a shot at 20 homers. But, uh, you know, not a big power threat. He's a pretty good uh, run producer, but, uh, you know, again, not exactly a standout there. And again, the one area he stands out is he doesn't strike out a lot, and he typically hits in the 290, 300 range. He's hitting 296 right now, but he's just good enough at those other things. Just enough power, just enough RBI and runs, uh, and then you tack on the above average batting average, and that's good enough to make him a top 40 outfielder right now. Seems improbable given all the power there is out there, but it is true. So uh, don't sleep on Melky Cabrera. I don't think anybody's really sleeping on Andrelton Simmons. Uh, he, people have uh, certainly caught on to him and made him a popular uh, fancy shortstop this year. Had a good game on uh, on Saturday, going two for four with his uh, 10th home run of the season against the Red Sox. Um, and Simmons is now uh, batting 289 to go with those 10 home runs. He also has 13 stolen bases. So... You know, the batting average is, uh, you know, certainly I think that's probably as high as we were going to expect from Simmons this year, but it's really the speed-power combination that's made him valuable. He is now sixth among shortstops in roto value. And here's the reason why I, I wanted to make a point about talking Sim, uh, talking about Simmons today, uh, aside from the fact that he got two hits, including his 10th homer, just really gives me an excuse more than anything else. But I've been wanting to talk about Simmons because I've got him in a 12-team head-to-head points league. And every week, I try to figure out whether or not to drop him. And it's one of those situations. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say I'm not especially proud to admit this. But sometimes I hesitate on a player because of public perception. That 
you know, what, you know, if I drop Simmons, he's going to be snapped up right away. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I feel like he's droppable, uh, give at least given my roster and, and some of the, the options that I have there. But I, you know, I also think maybe there's something that I, I am not understanding about Antleton Simmons, um, that the other owners in my league are understanding. And uh, I, I'm coming to the conclusion that for the right player, I'm, I am ready to drop Antleton Simmons. And, and here's why I don't, I'm not really doubt, doubting the power uptick. I also wouldn't be shocked at some regression because there's still more than two months to go in the season. And we've got a much bigger body of work that suggests that Simmons uh, does not hit for this much power. The stolen bases I buy. Uh, Mike Sosha has long been a manager who has been aggressive with the running game. So I actually buy the 13 steals and the 20 stolen base pace. But the the power is a key component to Simmons' value. And it's not that I'm super skeptical of that. It's more to do with the fact that I think that Simmons right now is the sixth most valuable roto shortstop because of the shortcomings so far this year of the, the, the shortstops below him. Uh, there's a lot of shortstops I think that could leapfrog him. Gene Segura is right behind him in the rankings. He's missed a good deal of time this year. I also think that Segura himself could see an uptick in power going forward. He's been a little bit disappointing in that regard. I, I would not even come close to saying that Segura has been a disappointment overall this year. I'm super happy to have him in the leagues where I have him. But I, in fact, I, I like him so much. I do expect he's going to leapfrog Andrelton Simmons. Uh, in the rankings and probably soon because I like uh, his chances to just keep on doing what he's been doing, maybe even do a little bit more. Uh, and and he's behind Simmons in part because he's missed some time with injury. So there's that. Manny Machado and Francis- Francisco Lindor are just having really mind-boggling seasons. Uh, and Lindor in particular, he's uh, showing us a lot more power this year. It's been a, been a kind of an extreme trade-off in terms of power for batting average with Francisco Lindor. I just don't know that he's going to be mired down where he is um, in terms of batting average. And Machado uh, has not really gotten on track with his batting average, and all the peripherals suggest that you know he's hitting with a lot of power, a lot of authority, barreling up the ball, and there's no reason why Machado shouldn't be uh, producing like he has in past years. So I think those two shortstops or shortstop eligible players, Manny Machado and Francisco Lindor, I think they're going to leapfrog Simmons in due time. And then there's a couple of underperformers. Uh, Trevor Story, who I talked about in great detail on a recent show, I think he's due for better things, although certainly the, the signals for him are mixed and a bit confusing. But I, I, I would put the, the odds on Story improving uh, as the season wears on. And Jonathan Villar, um, maybe not, be just because I'm not sure he's going to be able to continue to play steadily. He has been pretty consistently a, a disappointment uh, this year. So maybe not, but Villar is somebody I certainly expected to outproduce uh, Simmons and, and wouldn't completely rule that out. So that's a good number of players there that I think rest of season could be a bit better than Simmons. And that, that you know, in a 12-team mixed league, would make him kind of a fringy option if, if those players were all going to be better producers than him. So that's my uh, my little semi-rant on uh, Andrelton Simmons, but uh, got a lot more to get to. One other batter I want to talk about uh, after this coming uh, break, but also lots of pitchers to talk about. So don't go anywhere. 
I shall be right back. In a sport where going 3 out of 10 will put you in the Hall of Fame, it goes without saying that playing baseball is pretty hard. That's why major leaguers are always looking for any edge that they can get. Daily Fantasy Baseball isn't any different. DailyRoto.com's premium MLB Daily Fantasy Sports service has been cited repeatedly by the world's best players as the service they trust the most for their information edge. Visit DailyRoto.com slash premium and enter promo code DAILY for a special discount on all the information that you can handle. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, last segment, I was talking about how better things are ahead for uh, Francisco Lindor. Well, he's already got two hits today. Got that batting average up to 261. Two for two with a couple of singles against uh, the Blue Jays and Jay Happ in particular. That's four to one now. Uh, Indians over the Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Pillar hit a solo shot in the top of the third. That uh, got rid of the, the shutout for, uh, for Corey Kluber. But, uh, yeah, 4-1 there in, uh, in Cleveland. Another player uh, I wanted to, uh, to touch upon before we uh, hit the end of this hour uh, is Alex Presley. And um, I haven't checked, but I feel pretty safe in saying that he's probably universally available. And he's uh, doing a, a pretty nice job of basically filling the spot of J.D. Martinez and the Tigers outfield and in the lineup. And he is in the Tigers lineup uh, for a game that uh, is just about to start there in Minnesota. Uh, he's batting eighth, uh, starting in right field. But on Saturday, Presley went three for five with his sixth double of the year. And he's now batting 329 and uh, sort of an interesting combination of stats that I dug up on him. He's a ground ball hitter, so you're not going to get a whole lot of home run power from him. You know, maybe some some more doubles, but um, he has the highest hard contact rate uh, in the majors on ground balls of any hitter that's hit at least 30 grounders or more. So that's a decent sample right there. And he is also uh, very, very low in the rankings in terms of pull rate on ground balls. And the tendency for hitters is... uh, to pull grounders, uh, to go the other way with fly balls. He's not pulling grounders much, so Presley really using the whole field uh, and making hard contact on grounders. So it's it's certainly it's not a way for him to uh, you know endear you if you uh, need some home run power or maybe even a whole lot of run production. He's batting low in the lineup, but he is playing regularly. He's hitting three twenty nine, and if he keeps this going, he should be able to help you with batting average. So uh, you know in deeper leagues where he's probably available. Um, you know, you could probably do do worse than Alex Presley. So just, uh, you know, something for deep leaguers to keep an eye on. Maybe you're making your, your fab bidding this uh, weekend. You know, check out uh, Alex Presley. He's been, been hitting well. Um, 
So uh, as far as lineups go, we've got uh, a bunch in for much later. Uh, the, the 4 o'clock games, uh, we've got several of those lineups in already. Uh, as far as weather goes, uh, we uh, looks like we're, we're pretty good for most of the games that are still to come on Saturday. But I would just alert you to the uh, 8 o'clock Eastern game, Cardinals at Cubs. There's currently a 17% chance of precipitation at game time. Uh, and it's going to linger at about that uh, rate for a couple hours uh, after game time. So that's one that maybe uh, you, you check in, you know, check back in on uh, throughout the afternoon. That's going to be Michael Walker and Jose Quintana. So those are bo- both certainly starters. Only one at most could get a win, but I think either one could get a win. Very nice pitching matchup there at Wrigley Field. So definitely something that you got to uh, keep tabs on uh, throughout the uh, throughout the afternoon here as we uh, head towards game time there. So uh, just about out of time for this first hour of the show. But uh, like I said, got a lot of lineups uh, for those four o'clock games. I will go through those uh, at the beginning of the second hour, uh, keep you updated on news. We still got a lot of pitching performances to break down. And we've got Jim Finch to look ahead to next week's pitchers, particularly those of the two start variety, sort out a very, very interesting field of two-star pitchers. So uh, got a great second hour planned for you. Uh, We're going to head to break, but I'll be right back. So hope to see you on the other side. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please, now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome back everybody, this is Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, I'm your host, Al Melchior, glad to have you back for our number two of uh, this show and joining me a little bit later on in this hour is Jim Finch from FanRag Sports. Uh, Jim's weekly two-start pitcher piece is up and online. So if you want to, you know, brush up and prepare for that upcoming segment, uh, have at it. It's up. It's up there. Uh, you get uh, Jim's take on uh, all the two-star pitchers, every single one. Uh, that is scheduled for the coming week. But we're going to go more in-depth on several of those pitchers just a little later on in this hour. So let me get things kicked off here with a um, little bit of a preview of some of the lineups. If you are uh, still looking to uh, fill some slots in your daily lineup league with uh, some of the players in the late games, we got you covered here because we've got... Uh, all the games uh, from uh, 4 o'clock, one, two, three, four of them. And uh, not all of those lineups are in, but uh, all but two are in. The Yankees and Padres lineups uh, still to come. Uh, nothing yet for the 8 o'clock game. Cubs-Cardinals, but as I mentioned before the break, uh, that one looks like a, is a potential candidate for rain delay. So I'll certainly keep you posted on that. But uh, for the Giants, they'll be playing the, the Padres. Uh, no Joe Panic at second. You got Miguel Gomez filling in, batting seventh. Uh, you got the Braves and Dodgers matching up with a couple of lefties. Uh, you got Clayton Kershaw going for the Dodgers. Sean Newcomb for the Braves. Uh, poor Sean Newcomb has that uh, uh, has a lot of work cut out for him. 
Uh, but he's got Enrique Hernandez uh, to face, uh, who's uh, awfully good against lefties, and Austin Barnes in the lineup for the Dodgers. So a couple guys that don't get much playing time, but can produce a lot when they do play. Uh, the Braves themselves, they've got Matt Adams in there against the lefty Kershaw at first base with Freddie Freeman at uh, the hot corner. Uh, and no Dansby Swanson. He did start yesterday, but yet Johan Camargo uh, back at shortstop today. And we've also got the uh, Mariners uh, against the Yankees. No Yankees lineup, as I mentioned. But uh, you got the Mariners lineup facing Caleb Smith pitching for the Yankees. Um, and no Gerard Dyson, which I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, because he's got a hyperextended left foot. So uh, to fill in for him, uh, there is Guillermo Heredia for uh, the Mariners. So uh, anyway... A lot more uh, there in terms of lineups. I'll catch up on on the rest of those. Uh, but also just to preview, like I said, we've got Jim uh, Finch coming up talking about two-star pitchers. We've also got some pitching performances, quite a few of them, from Saturday's game that deserve our attention, deserve a little analysis. Talk about Danny Salazar's return, Herman Marquez on a nice roll. So uh, we're going to talk about them and a host of several others. So lots to get to. Uh, in the remainder of this hour. So stick around, everybody. Gonna head to break just for a little bit, and I will be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Fantasy Executive, Corey Parson. It's fantasy football season right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So make sure you tune into the all-new Fantasy Football Frenzy with myself, Jake Seeley, and Wall Street Matt Medica. If we were a hip-hop group, we'd be like Migos because we're popping right now. Tune in every weekday morning at 9 a.m. East. Rankings, projections, ADP talk, and we take your phone calls. It's the Fantasy Football Frenzy, 9 a.m. East, every weekday morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Join the family at Modell Sporting Goods. Visit your nearest Modell's and sign up for our MVP rewards program to receive insider deals all year round. Earn points on every purchase when you use your MVP card to earn Modell's cash back. It's our way of thanking you for being a loyal customer. Upon signing up, receive 10% off your purchase and 15% off your next purchase. It's that simple. Plus, new MVPs this month are eligible to win a $500 Modell's gift card. When you got to play more and pay less, you got to go to Mo's. I owed the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now, and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now, and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules can stop the pain and get you the best deal we connect you with a team of former irs agents and tax professionals who will get the irs off your back we saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world call tax solutions now time is running out call 800-910-9962 
This is Tony Sakata of No Mulligan Fantasy. I have good news, so maybe bad news. The No Mulligan Fantasy Show will now air at 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays as part of the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So all you guys that want excellent information and analyzing grown men competing against each other in stroke play, we have the show for you. Join myself, Tony Sincata, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. I break down the PGA's finest recent form of every player available. We'll give you course history and some of the subtle nuances of the game that will make you a fantasy golf winner. It's the No Mulligan Fantasy Show, 2 p.m. on Tuesdays, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host of this show. And I'm just going to keep rolling on with some lineup updates because we now have all of the 4 o'clock games in. Uh, So, again, if you uh, need to take a second, check your uh, daily league lineups, make sure uh, everything's uh, in order. Uh, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay, let's get to it then. Um, And I I did... uh, not mention and should have and will do so now that for that Dodgers lineup that I mentioned uh, has Enrique Hernandez and Austin Barnes in there against lefty Sean Newcomb. We also have the return of uh, Justin Turner batting third and of course playing third base. He's been dealing with bronchitis so he's back and hopefully uh, hopefully healthy enough to, to produce for you because uh, uh, bronchitis is, uh, is a nasty thing. Uh, hopefully he is uh, over that or, or mostly over it. Uh, Yankees lineup is out. Uh, they're going to contend with Giovanni Gallardo, who's back in the Mariners rotation, at least uh, for the time being. And uh, as you know from uh, earlier in the show, there's no Starlin Castro. He's back on the DL with a hamstring injury. Tyler Wade was called up, and he has also been placed in the Yankees lineup against Gallardo in the ninth spot, filling in for Castro at second base. Uh, so that's what you need to know there. Nationals Diamondbacks at 410. Uh, both of those lineups are in. And uh, at shortstop, you got Adrian Sanchez uh, with Wilmer Defoe sliding in over at left field. So you got the Wilmer Defoe, Brian Goodwin, Bryce Harper outfield going for the Nationals today. Uh, and Jose Lobatone behind the plate, uh, no Matt Weeters. And uh, Diamondbacks lineup, got Cattell Marte. Over at third base, so uh, no Jake Lamb against Steven Strasburg. Great pitching matchup, Steven Strasburg and Robbie Ray. Um, so yeah, otherwise looks pretty standard there. No JD Martinez yet for the Diamondbacks. You got Daniel Descalso playing left field and leading off for the D-backs. Uh, All righty, um, let's uh, with no further ado get to some of those pitching performances. From Saturday's games, uh, now that we've got the Sunday schedule uh, almost in full swing here, we got uh, some two o'clock Eastern starts uh, just about to get underway now. Uh, so uh, better uh, hurry up and uh, get uh, get to those Saturday performances before they're ancient history. And uh, certainly, no pitcher on Saturday stood out more than Danny Salazar and his first uh, start back after a long absence. Uh, seven scoreless innings against the Blue Jays and. Only one hit allowed, not a single walk. That is 
So very encouraging if you are a Danny Salazar owner or hope to be one, uh, and also eight strikeouts. But you know, sort of like I was talking about earlier in the show with Denelson Lamette, like you know you're going to get strikeouts uh, from Danny Salazar. You know, there are quite a few pitchers like this, uh, right, uh, that are good strikeout providers, but they have some flaws in some other areas, and, and that's why Danny Salazar over the last few seasons has been a pretty frustrating pitcher to own in fantasy. So we certainly want to see a lot more of this, uh, like what we saw against the Blue Jays there with the seven scoreless innings. Uh, so very, very encouraging there. Herman Marquez with a very good start against the Pirates at Coors Field going seven strong, allowing only two runs on three hits and two walks with nine strikeouts. And that is now the third straight quality start in a row from Marquez. But, you know, going into this week, he was one of the two-star pitchers that I liked. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what what Jim Finch uh, had to say about Marquez. I don't recall at this point. Uh, I know I certainly liked him uh, because he had the start against the Pirates who have really struggled against righties. And that was preceded with the Padres, who, you know, was everybody's favorite pitching matchup. And then the first of these three quality starts in a row came against the White Sox. And they've had funky splits pretty much all season long where they've been one of the best teams against lefty pitchers, but one of the worst against righties. So pretty much three teams that have not been very good against righties. And if you go back a little bit further, Marquez certainly wasn't bad, but he wasn't this good. So, um you know, I think if you've had Marquez, if you had him for this two-start week, uh, he is a pretty good candidate to stream out um, if you uh, you know are so inclined. If you've got uh, you know one of the many two-star pitchers that you could consider for this week, uh, and you need a space to get them in, and I certainly wouldn't go out of my way to to pick Marquez up. You know, he's he's fine. I think he's a good deep league option. I just don't think that he's going to uh, continue the way that he has over the last three starts. So uh, for whatever that's worth. And um, I just saw out of the corner of my eye from my Twitter page that I had up uh, that there was an update here on the Marlins. So especially since this is a situation I discussed in hour one with um, John Heyman, I think it's worth an update that the Miami Herald is reporting that Marlins president of baseball operations, Michael Hill has said that the, the, team has no intention of trading Giancarlo Stanton. So pretty much echoing what we heard from uh, from John Heyman in the first hour, but uh, also among players that they're not going to trade. And some of these are, are familiar names uh, from some previous reports. Justin Bohr, Christian Yelich, JT Realmuto, Marcelo Ozuna, and Dan Straley. Straley to me is the interesting one because uh, he certainly would have a lot of value. There's not a lot of starting pitching, quality starting pitching available on the market. I think the Marlins could get a really nice haul for Straley, but apparently they want to build around him instead of using him as a piece to uh, bring in some players for the future. So uh, something to uh, just tuck away, some information to tuck away about uh, Dan Straley as well as the other players on that list. So back to pitcher Palooza. Uh, we had the Nationals and the Diamondbacks yesterday with a pretty interesting pitching man- matchup. We had Tanner Roark, who has really struggled at times this year, and Anthony Bonda making his major league debut against the Nationals. Man, that's a tough assignment uh, for your first start, for your first appearance as a major leaguer. He did quite all right. I mean, he gave up four runs and five and two-thirds, so that doesn't sound terrific. 
but he got five strikeouts and no walks, did give up seven hits. A lot of that damage came later in the start. So while the line itself is not impressive, when you consider the degree of difficulty with that one, that definitely gives you some pause to think about Anthony Bonda uh, going forward. Uh, again, not as a 12-teamer or maybe in a 14-teamer, but in deeper leagues. Uh, and it's not just based on this one start against the Nationals. I mean, he has uh, been a pretty good strikeout pitcher in the minors. Uh, the thing to worry about with Bonda is giving up some home runs at Chase Field. So maybe he's, you know, somebody that you could stream in a, in a deeper league. But, uh, you know, a, let's say a semi-encouraging major league debut. Tanner Roark, on the other hand, blew the doors off of a Diamondbacks team that's been really tough against righties. Uh, seven innings pitched, just two runs allowed on only three hits and a walk, and 11 big strikeouts. I mean, that just looks really out of place for Roark because while he has been very good at times, including all of last season, his appeal is not as a bat misser. His appeal is as somebody who generates a lot of soft contact. So not the typical way that Roark succeeds, and, and not against a lineup that you would expect that would be an easy one for him. Uh, there were a few lefties in that lineup. Roark has had pretty poor lefty splits this year. He's been very good against righties, so there's really no concern there. So not the opponent that you would have thought that Roark would uh, get back on track against, but uh, you know we'll see how he, he fares going forward. But this is a, a really, really good sign for Tanner Roark. John Lester with another good start. Uh, this one against the Cardinals going eight innings deep with 10 strikeouts and no walks. Love to see that. And only three hits, giving up just the two runs over uh, over eight innings for Lester. So really, really good to see that. Uh, Brent Suter on the back end of what looked to be a promising two-start week. The first start eh, was not really, it was kind of disappointing, not that great. But against the Phillies here in Philadelphia, this is more like it. Six innings for Suter, one run on five hits and no walks and five Ks. Suter, a really, really soft to- tosser, typically throwing in the mid-80s. So get 5Ks in the start. You'll you'll definitely take that, and the rest of that line is uh, is very good from Brett Suter. So uh, I think he certainly has earned himself some more time in the Brewers rotation. I am considering whether or not to drop him. However, I picked him up for the two-start week and 15-team mixed roto, uh, that being in Tout Wars. So he is certainly a candidate that I am consider uh, dropping for uh, the coming week. And the pitcher I'm actually thinking of bidding on, and I probably, you know, not helping myself by stating this publicly, but, you know, I, I think it's worth talking about on the show, is Rafael Montero, uh, who's really been surprisingly good and had to do some research on him for the Sunday Streamers column. He's pitching uh, pitching today. Uh, against the Oakland A's, who are a team that strikes out very much, especially against right-handed pitching. Uh, that one actually, I think, has just gotten underway. So maybe we can check in on Montero and make sure. Oh, he's given up a run already in the top of the first. So maybe I ought to think twice about that one. We'll check in on Montero. Anyway, enough about Suter, enough about Montero. we got to head to break. And uh, when we come back, going to be joined by Jim Finch of FanRag. Talk to star pitchers, so don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. Quarterback to receiver hookups. 
running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at RotoExperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I am Al Melchior, your host of the show, and uh, been looking forward to having a little uh, discussion about two-star pitchers, and I uh, think I'm ready to have that discussion now. And uh, joining us for the show is uh, Jim Finch from uh, FanRag Sports, of course, but also from uh, Fantasy Assembly. So, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me again. Ready to start talking about some two-star pitchers? I, I am. I'm very ready. I've been kind of hyping this because I think this is a pretty <laughs> interesting group this week. You know, a lot, a lot of times we kind of have to <laughs> stretch it and you know say, well, you know, maybe consider this guy if you absolutely have to, you know, get an extra start in your rotation. But I think there's some, I think there's some interesting options out there, ones that that I would really want to have. But let's uh, start with Brad Peacock, uh, who I think wouldn't necessarily be controversial. But, Jim, I don't know if you saw, I ran a Twitter poll this morning asking people who, which Astro starter, uh, I left out Lance McCullers, but of the remainders, who was most likely to get booted from the rotation to make room for Dallas Keuchel. And the winner, or I guess you could put loser, <laughs> in the poll was Brad Peacock. And I tend to think that they might be right. Uh, and that would be really disappointing to me. So let's just say, you know, even if they went six-man, Peacock would probably lose that second start at the Tigers. So he's, for now, at Philadelphia, at Detroit. Uh, how, how do you sort this all out for uh, Brad Peacock this week? Well, I'm, I got my little voodoo doll out, so I'm secretly hoping Colin McHugh trips and sprains his ankle or Charlie Morton develops a blister so he can stay in the rotation. But I, got, I have to agree, <laughs> he's, he's the odd man out there. I mean, it's, it's basically like Mike Montgomery in Chicago. I mean, he's done great. He's going deeper into games. He's done everything to keep his job, but he does have that bullpen presence to where they can put him back and forth. So he'll probably lose that second start, but even losing it, his first start's going to be against Philly. And if you're going to compare some of the questionable two-star pitchers to a one-star pitcher like Brad Peacock against Philly, I mean, I don't think there's a question in my mind that he should be started. I agree, absolutely. Once, and I have been starting him in one start week, so this one, especially with the Phillies, uh, is is absolutely no different. Uh, Ari Dickey, this kind of surprises me. Maybe it shouldn't, uh, Jim, but he's widely unowned. <laughs> Even CBS, uh, you know, which tends to have deeper leagues, he's out there in more than sixty percent of leagues right now. He's got the Diamondbacks at Chase Field. That's a tough one, but then he gets the Phillies at Citizens uh, Bank Park. Um, you think Dickey stays on a roll and is worth uh, picking up right now? I think he's definitely worth picking up. I think a lot of people are underestimating him just based on his past, sort of like Jolie's Chasing and uh, San Diego, another two-star pitcher that people just look at the past history and they just sort of dismiss him. But before this last start, he had five starts in a row with one run or less. I mean, four four games with only one run in each of those. He's going seven innings, so he's chewing. He's you know he's chewing up the innings for your team. And he's already faced the Diamondbacks less than a week ago, and he held them to one run. I mean, they 
got a few hits off of him, but Atlanta's defense is pretty good to where he held, was able to hold him in check, and I think he keeps on rolling. His second start's against the Phillies, and Phillies right there basically with San Francisco and San Diego for teams I'd like to stream against. So, yeah, I think he's definitely worth picking up this week and taking a shot in the stream. Yeah, no, you, and uh, I agree, and, and you also mentioned Chassin. And uh, so Dickie Chassin, and let me throw in a third one, uh, Seth Lugo, um, who, if you could only add one, which one would you add? Chassin. I've been pumping him for several weeks now, and nobody seems to <laughs> want to listen to me. So maybe they will this time. The guy's a machine at home, and he's got the Mets in Pittsburgh at home this week. I mean, I'd like... I like Lugo as well. I would probably put a Chysin Lugo and then Dickey as far as the order goes. Yeah, Hart, I, th- I think they're all good pickups, so hard to go wrong there, I think. Uh, getting to some riskier ones, Jordan Montgomery at home at Yankee Stadium. He's got the Reds and the Rays. Uh, I'm kind of worried about this one uh, with him at, at that ballpark. Uh, how about you? You know what, looking at his numbers, the ballpark factor doesn't seem to come into play here. I mean, he's got the same numbers on the road and away, so I think it really comes down to opponent. And the bigger thing with Montgomery is, can he go enough innings in either one of these games to be fantasy relevant? I mean, you look at his last five starts, you got 7, 5.1, 4.1, 4, and 6. So you got three games under six innings. And in all three of those games, he's given up two to three runs, which isn't bad if you're going six or more, but the lower the innings, the higher the ERA, the higher the chances with the whip. The one thing he's got going in his favor is both teams are basically below average for the month on the road and against lefties. So he does have a chance, given the uh, poor hitting for each team, to maybe stretch it to six. But if he doesn't stretch it to six, then you could be you could be a... Uh, you can be in trouble with him. I don't like. I said I don't see Yankee Stadium being a problem. It's more about the innings with me with Montgomery. Okay, so even with two starts, I mean, if it was him versus a one-start option, would that worry you less then? Um, I would probably go with a one-start option. I mean, thankfully, I've built my teams <laughs> to where I don't need to look at any of these guys in the waiver wire. But I would probably go with a one-start option over Montgomery. All right, that's it. Yeah, that that could be a whole other segment in the future, then, Jim, because I I go the opposite way and I try to leave a couple spots open to stream every week. So, um, <laughs> it's had mixed results for me this year, though, I have to say. Uh, Kevin Gosman, I have a feeling, uh, you know, I'm I'm too tempted here because he was very good the last time out, uh, but it's been really up and down. It just seems whenever he's uh, finding his groove, he he just goes goes out and implodes. And he's got some implosion potential with the Rays and the Rangers, but both of those teams also offer some great strikeout potential. So, uh, you know, is this a case of reward outweighing the risk? I don't know. I'm kind of torn on him because, like you said, he has had some great starts, and then he's had those games to where you just want to dump him off your roster. I mean, a seven nine eight ERA on the road, that's the one thing that kind of sways me away from starting Guzman, but Texas has been so bad lately, and Tampa Bay is mediocre at best. He could get one good game out of there, but I don't see him putting up two good games in a row, and one bad game, I think, could offset any gains you get from the other, so you're taking a big risk with him. You'll get strikeouts regardless of what you do, but 
ERA and WHIP are a big factor on this one. Okay, well, and I think he got a similar dilemma with Blake Snell. Uh, I think matchups are a problem for him, it seems like, almost every time out. But um, I love this Orioles matchup for Blake Snell because what, what he needs is to face a lineup full of hitters that are not afraid to go after bad pitches. Uh, and uh, the, the Orioles have been one of the least selective teams in the majors this year. But then he's got the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, which just really frightens me for Blake Snell. So do you see it the same way? And if so, uh, you know, which, which start is going to be the, the uh, determinant here? Um, the Yankee one, I'm not as worried about right now just because the Yankees, just like Texas, they're not really hitting, so the home park factor isn't as much of a factor for me. I think Blake Snell's got the, basically the same problem Montgomery is. He doesn't go deep into games. He's gone past the fifth inning once in his last ten starts. He's got three or more walks in all but two of those ten starts, and he doesn't have a win to his name. So it's like the matchups may be good, but you're not going to get a win out of it. If it's a quality start league, you're definitely sunk. And the inconsistencies here, I mean, I, I just, he has a chance, but I wouldn't risk it. All right. Well, we're going to uh, kind of continue a trend here because, you know, Snell, Gosman, uh, a lot of volatility there, but, but you know, a lot of upside, I think, with both of them. I think that definitely applies to Luis Castillo. He's also got the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, but then the Marlins at Marlins Park. I'm wondering which Castillo is going to show up there. I mean, if you look at his minor league numbers, he, in the minors he had low walks, he limited home runs, and he had mediocre strikeouts. And so far in the majors, it's been the complete opposite with high strikeouts, high home runs, and walks. So maybe he'll can maybe he'll figure things out and revert back to his minor league form and improve a little bit, or he could continue on or get worse from where he is. I mean, the Marlins. They're hitting the ball well, but they're not hitting for power and scoring runs much. And like I said, the Yankees are struggling right now. So that's it's another pitcher. I, he'll go six innings. He'll get you strikeouts. But the score could go either way on this one. I, but I do feel safer with him over any of the pitchers that we mentioned so far with Guzman, Snell, and Montgomery. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a clear pecking order then. Uh We'll throw you a couple more pitchers here, uh, Jim. Uh, Jason Hamill, he's got the uh, Tigers and the Red Sox on the road. And Vince Velasquez home against the Astros and Braves. Uh, where would you put them as compared to Castillo? Um, I'd probably put Hamill right there with Castillo. Vasquez, I'm not touching this week if you have to start him for both starts because Houston – they are just too hot right now, and I'm only putting my best pitchers against Houston Vasquez. He's been mediocre at best to where I can trust him against Atlanta, but I'm not trusting him against Houston. Hamill, he's had success against both teams, which gives me a little bit more confidence. He had a decent run about a month ago, so probably Hamill, Castilla, and then the rest of the batch followed by Vasquez. Vasquez I'm not touching in a two-star league. All right, well, I got one more for you, uh, Jim. Uh, Matt Cain, and, and just, you know, looking at, at the column, uh, I'm trying to remember, you think you had him at 50-50? You had him higher than I, than I was expecting. So uh, basically, what, what's the case for, for considering Matt Cain, who's got the Pirates uh, uh, on the road and the Dodgers at home? He 
he's right there with Vasquez as far as being 50-50. At home, he's got a 2.980 ERA, and he's facing Pittsburgh, which is sort of an easy matchup for me. But on the road, an 8.14 ERA and a 1.99 whip. He's allowed five or more runs in four of his last five starts. And if you want added incentive, he's got 10 home runs in 45 road innings, and the Dodgers are fourth in home runs this month and sixth for the season. So I don't see that start going well. If you can stream against Pittsburgh, I would do it. If you need to start for both this week, I would definitely sit Kane. All right. Well, sounds like uh, good advice to me. So, well, Jim, thank you for uh, getting through a whole bunch of pitchers <laughs> in, a, in one segment. Really appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, folks, uh, check out the two-star pitcher piece from, from Jim on FanRag. Uh, thanks again, Jim. Thanks for having me, Al. All right, folks. Well, uh, head to break. I will be right back, so stick around. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, it's time to check in on some of the uh, action going on around the major leagues. Got a lot of games that are now in progress. Uh, And uh, I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper with that Mets-A's game because I kind of left y'all hanging right before the segment with uh, Jim Finch. And, of course, uh, big thanks to to Jim for joining us for that whole segment. Uh, very thorough breakdown on your two-start options. So uh, if you didn't get enough, of course, uh, check his piece uh, on uh, on FanRag Sports. But uh, right before that segment, uh, I was talking about Rafael Montero, who I wrote about on FanRag uh, this weekend. And uh, at that time, I'd mentioned that the A's had jumped out to a one nothing lead. It is still one nothing in the bottom of the second with the Mets batting. Uh, and it was a Marcus Simeon solo home run that put the A's on the board uh, against the Mets and Rafael Montero. And it's a little bit maybe ironic, I guess. Um, hopefully I'm using that word a little more accurately than, than Alanis Morissette. But uh, one of the things I wrote about in regard to Montero is that he's been really, really stingy with home runs. In fact, he had not given up a home run over his previous 32 innings. And that was part of the appeal I liked for him as a streaming option today. But the other thing is he's just been getting a lot of strikeouts over that same 32 inning period, which covers not only four starts, but four lengthy relief appearances. Uh, I think they were all like two innings or more. Uh, he's over the, again, 32 innings. He struck out 35 batters over that span. So basically not giving up the long ball at all until today and uh, missing a lot of bats just in general. So, uh, you know, I found that to be pretty interesting for Montero, who's really had his struggles at the major league level. But uh, the other thing too, uh, because, you know, if you look at the overall stats, they're not, they're not very impressive. And the one thing that really just sticks out like a sore thumb is going into the start Montero had walked 
five batters for every nine innings, which is, of course, terrible. Uh, and yet, you you know, be very safe to make the assumption that he's been a poor control pitcher. That's really not been the case at all uh, this season. Uh, this is the whole season, not just the uh, last four starts and four relief appearances. But over the whole season, he's been throwing strikes at a 46.2% rate, which is, you know, it's not elite, but it's it's also it's pretty good. I, I don't know what the current average is in the major leagues, but I would hazard a guess that 46.2% makes Montero above average in terms of being a control pitcher. It's certainly not worse than average. And um, he's been a little below average in terms of getting hitters to swing at pitches that aren't out of the zone. That's certainly playing some role in that very, very high walk rate. Uh, but a 29.0% rate of swings at pitches out of the zone, which is it's pretty close to average. It's a little bit below the norm, uh, I believe. I think the norm is probably somewhere around 30 31% would be my guess, not looking at it right now. But so you add that all up. And again, this start notwithstanding, Montero, uh, very, very stingy with home runs. Uh, his average fly ball distance allowed this season, not even just over the recent stretch where he hadn't given up any home runs, but over the whole season coming into today was 305 feet, which is exceedingly low. So lots of strikeouts, not a lot of uh, balls that have been hit very, very far, uh, and some supporting stats that suggest that the walk rate is is due to make a U-turn and be maybe closer to average, um, you know, maybe be closer to three batters per nine instead of five. If he gets it down going forward to three batters per five or three three batters per nine, and the other things hold more or less constant, that's really really encouraging. And just looking right now uh, through two innings, Montero gave up both the Simeon home run. Uh, but he hasn't walked a batter, so that's helping right there. And he's thrown 22 out of 34 pitches for strikes, which is which is very good, uh, almost excellent actually in terms of a strikes thrown per percentage. So um, I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see how this uh, start plays out. There's a part of me that actually hopes that maybe it doesn't go that well for Montero, so they don't have to spend a lot in fab for him uh, <laughs> this weekend. And just to be clear, this is a 15-team mixed roto league. So I'm, I'm certainly not taking a flyer on Montero in, in 12-team leagues right now. But, um, you know, we'll see how the rest of this, this start goes. And uh, let me get you caught up on some of the other scores, uh, not necessarily going in-depth because there's some other stuff I want to get to in this segment. But the Reds are out to a 2-1 lead uh, against the Marlins. The Rays are up 4-2 on the Rangers, and they're threatening again. they got the bases loaded with two outs uh, against Tyson Ross. The Indians are now up five to one. Checked on that one earlier uh, in the show when it was four to one. Kevin Pillar had just homered to put the uh, Blue Jays on the board, but that one's now five four. Orioles have taken the lead against the Astros and Lance McCullers. I'm definitely coming back to that one because I teased that a little bit at the beginning of the show that McCullers has been having some control issues. He's already given up four runs and in three innings. Uh, and what I had said and what I had written, too, in that fan rag piece uh, on Sunday Streamers is don't be worried about McCullers yet. But if he doesn't do well against the Orioles, you can officially worry. I think we might be there. So I'm going to check back in, in that one. Phillies and Brewers are scoreless in Philadelphia. 
Tigers and Twins uh, in the second inning now. That one's scoreless. Same for the White Sox and Royals. So that gets you caught up to date. Uh, I will definitely check back in on that Orioles-Astros game. But I want to get back. uh, I I don't want to kind of leave a loose end with the Saturday performances because there are a few things really worth noting. One is Andrew Kashner, who did not have an especially noteworthy start uh, at Tampa Bay. He went, did go six innings and gave up three runs. So it's a quality start for Andrew Kashner. Uh, four hits and three walks. This is pretty standard fare. If anything, uh, the, the the four strikeouts that he got uh, are maybe a little more than you'd be accustomed to getting from Andrew Kashner in a six-inning start, but certainly nothing that's you know going to get you really excited. But that's you know that's been standard fare which is a walk rate that's pretty close to the strikeout rate, neither one really very good. And yet he keeps on, for the most part, churning out pretty good starts. And the secret for him has been very similar to what I was discussing with Rafael Montero. Very, very low average fly ball distances, uh, which have kept his slugging in ISO really low, uh, you know, despite not missing a lot of bats. And the reason I'm bringing up this Kashner star is not because it's, you know, especially good or especially bad. It's pretty much right down the middle. But that talking about him a couple weeks on the show with Mike Podhorzer from Fangraphs, uh, Mike put out a theory that seemed totally plausible to me, which is, well, wait till Kashner starts pitching in the summer heat in Texas. And, uh, you know, as the temperatures rise, and not just in Texas, you know, around the major leagues, but especially in Texas, um, you know, those those numbers are probably going to get a lot worse in a big hurry. Now this start was in Tampa Bay, so it was under the dome at Tropicana Field. But over his previous five starts, Kashner gave up only two home runs combined. So you know we're getting into the dog days of summer here, and he's it's been pretty much status quo for Kashner uh, in in recent starts for him. So I found that interesting uh if you had any you know inkling at all to to give uh cashner a try uh and again probably would need some pretty good matchups or at least two starts in a 12 team league but in anything deeper i i think cashner is i think we're deep enough into the season now the weather's gotten hot enough now uh i, th- I think he's he's legit for what he has done up to this point in the season uh also relevant in that game alex claudio got another save so you've got Keone Kella off of the DL. I think a lot of us were anticipating he was going to start steal, stealing those saves away from Claudio, but uh, it, it's Bannister keep, keeps going to Claudio game after game after game. And I'm starting to think that it's really Claudio's job to lose at this point. Maybe that's a little premature. Kayla hasn't been off the DL for that long, but Claudio's just been really good. And, you know, I'll I'll repeat something that I said on the show probably a week or two ago. When you look at the whole group, including Kella, uh, that is Matt Bush, Jose Leclerc, who seems to be pretty clearly out of this mix. Um, Overall, Claudio has been the best of the bunch in terms of Sierra, XFIP, FIP, you know, all those measures. So, um, you know, if he's out there and you need a closer, I'd feel pretty good about putting a bid, putting a claim on Alex Claudio. And the same goes for Sean Doolittle, a very, very similar situation in Washington where he and, and Ryan Madsen were brought, you know, brought over uh, as, as a combo deal. And um, it's been Doolittle 
getting the saves. And you know, he's he's faced his share of, of righties in doing so. Um, so the usage pattern suggests that that Doolittle would be the primary closer there. Dusty Baker says he's going to you know make decisions based on matchups. I wouldn't rule that out going forward, but but Doolittle is clearly at this point the reliever to speculate on uh, out of that situation. So Doolittle and Claudio, I, I feel good about them at this point, relying on them for for some fairly steady saves and also just some good numbers overall. Claudio's not going to give you a whole lot of strikeouts, but he's going to help you pretty much every place else. So, anyhow, time to go for break. I promise you I will check back in on Lance McCullers when we come back. So don't go away. It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with the Deluxe Draft Package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code free radio at checkout for a very special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. Good to have you back for the final segment of this uh, two-hour Sunday extravaganza. And, uh, of course, lots of stuff going on uh, right now uh, in terms of Major League Baseball. I am going to check in on the Astros and the Orioles uh, in just a moment. But uh, also just a reminder that tomorrow, early weekly lineup block, it's, uh, there's a 12-20 Eastern first pitch because you've got the uh, uh, White Sox. And actually, I might be wrong on that time, so let me double-check real quick. Uh, but I know it's an early start, and I apologize. That's uh, 12.20 Mountain Time, uh, 2.20 Eastern. So if you're in Mountain Time, uh, you know, you definitely got to get up a little earlier, get those laps in place. But even in Eastern Time, 2.20 uh, White Sox and Cubs, uh, first pitch. So uh, make sure you get those lineups in early. And one dilemma that you might have is uh, whether or not to start uh, Lance McCullers uh, it's not going well for him today in Baltimore. And uh, as I had, uh, you know, prefaced a little earlier in the show, that it's not really been going well for McCullers, uh, just generally speaking, this season. But just to update you right now, it is four to three Baltimore uh, in the top of the fourth, uh, I believe. Or let's see. Yes, it is the top of the fourth there. Um, in Baltimore. So Orioles up four to three and the line on McCullers right now, after three innings, four runs on five hits and two walks with a strikeout. So not encouraged by those two walks in three innings. 
and nor, nor am I encouraged by the one strikeout because that's that's the ticket for uh, owning McCullers, right? You're going to get a lot of strikeouts. And he's facing an Orioles team that strikes out a ton. So this is not a good beginning for from Colors. He has thrown 35 of 62 pitches for strikes. That's a 56% rate, which is very, very low. And unfortunately, is is all too much in line with what we've seen from him lately uh, over his preceding, let's see, three starts, I think is a good cutoff here. Yeah, he's thrown only 60% of his pitches for strikes. Walk seven batters over 14 and a third. So just shy of a, a walk uh, every other inning for him. Um, so it's it's been a tough run for McCullers. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of June, he's made six starts. Only one of those has gone more than five and one third innings. Um, so this isn't, you know, this is getting to the point now with the seventh start in a run where he's been inefficient, not going deep into games. We'll see how deep uh, uh, McCullers lasts in this one at this rate. Not very long. Uh, too many walks. So uh, that's that's going to be a, a tough uh, tough call, to be sure, for uh, for Lance McCullers. Uh, but, um, you know, we shall uh, see how this turns out for the rest of uh, this particular game. And... Uh, you know, as far as that goes, uh, you know, we uh, talked about some good two-start options with Jim Finch earlier. You know, if it were between McCullers and, say, a two-start Julie Chassin, oh, boy, that's tough. I guess it would depend on my other rotation options. Uh, and, and also, if, if McCullers, uh, you know, finishes strong in this start today. But that's something that I would have just waved off easily. Uh, a few days ago, maybe a week ago, uh, and that's one now I would I would have to look at and see what my alternatives were, and see what um, you know, uh, see how how he finishes out this game and see if there's there's something redeeming there for uh, for McCullers. So uh, you know we'll have to just just uh, check in on that one. And as far as tomorrow goes, like I said, early early lineup block, but uh, I will be here. 3 o'clock Eastern. So uh, looking forward to seeing you then. Going to have Nathan Dockin on the show from the Nasty Cast. That'll be fun. So uh, good luck for the rest of today. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Have a good one, everybody.